0: Hi there, this is Edwin Crozier of the Franklin Church of Christ, and I want to thank you for joining us as we open our Bibles and study God's Word and learn more about how we ought to live as God's children. Today we have a very special sermon for you. Special guest at the Franklin Church of Christ, Steve Garrett, one of our very own members, presented this lesson. It's entitled, How to Forgive. So open your Bibles and learn how to be like Christ and forgive others.
1: Genesis chapter 45. There is in the Bible a story of a young man who was betrayed by his family. This young man was put in prison because there were false charges laid against him. In fact, while he was in prison, he was even forgotten by some people he had helped get out of prison. And when in a position to take revenge upon those who had put him through all of those troubles. His family, other people. Instead of taking revenge upon them, he forgave them. Here in Genesis chapter 45, we have the situation where Joseph, after having gone through all of those problems in his youth, is confronted with an opportunity to extract revenge upon those who had begun this whole circle of events, his brothers. And we remember the story of how Joseph was the favorite of his father and his his brothers were very jealous of him. And how they told his father that he was dead and had been killed by a wild animal and in the meantime sold him into slavery where he was taken to Egypt. And there's a very young man. He was put in, uh, in charge of a certain Egyptian official's house where his, this official's wife said that he had made advances towards her and had him placed in prison. And there, while in prison, God gave him the ability to interpret dreams, and he interpreted dreams for uh, the baker and the butler of Pharaoh And they had said that when they got out of prison, they would remember him, but they didn't. And of course, we know that God brought Joseph to a position of prominence in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh in command of the land. And when the famine arose and his brothers come back looking for food, Joseph is now in a position of authority and leadership to do basically whatever he wanted to do against these brothers of his. But instead, we see in Genesis chapter 45 that Joseph forgives his brothers of all that they had done to him. It says in verse 1, that Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? And his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved. Nor angry, angry with yourselves, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. And then again in verse 8 So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And in verse 11, Therefore I will provide for you. You know, we hear this story from the times that we're young. And perhaps we kind of take it for granted that Joseph just went through all of these things. And it was very natural for him to have this attitude of forgiveness when his brothers come on the scene. But I think Joseph is just like you and he's just like me. That if we were to have gone through the things that he had gone through, that the natural emotion that he would have had is an emotion of hatred, an emotion of anger, the desire for revenge. Certainly, he showed a different spirit here in Genesis chapter 45. And what I would like us to look at for a few minutes this morning is, how do we forgive? Especially, I want us to look at, how do we forgive when the person who has injured us is not our sworn enemy, but someone who is very close to us, a brother? A friend. How do we forgive like Joseph did? Jesus dealt with this and he laid out several principles in the New Testament dealing with forgiveness. And I would like us to look at a couple of those. Turn over to Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21. The context of the parable that Jesus tells here is basically given in the context of how do we forgive a brother who sins against us. In verse 15 of Matthew 18, Jesus says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. The whole context here is dealing with a brother who sins against us. So Peter comes to him, and to the Lord in verse 21, and, and says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. I think Peter probably felt like he was being generous when he asked the question of the Lord. Well, if someone sins against me, okay, you told me how I ought to deal with that. But I'm asking you, how many times do I have to go through that process? Maybe even seven times? And Jesus' response is, there really is no limit to our forgiveness. He says, up to 70 times 7. In other words, our forgiveness ought to be unlimited. Unlimited. There is no amount of forgiveness that we extend. And in order to drive the point home, Jesus tells the parable here of of an unforgiving servant. Let's take a moment just to read this parable. In Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 23, Jesus says, Therefore, and he's referring to what he had just talked about, the forgiveness. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children, and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not. But went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved, and came and told their master all that had been done, his trespasses. The question then how often should I forgive? Jesus answers. And he tells this parable that just drives the point home about the point of forgiveness. In verse 35, he shows us that based upon our ability to extend forgiveness to other people, rests our ability to receive forgiveness from God. That's a very important point for us to understand. The kingdom, he says in verse 23, is like this. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. We have here a king who represents God, coming to settle accounts with his servants, standing for and representing God's judgment. And then we have the servant who is the sinner. He is someone who has sinned against God and who owes a debt to God that by and of himself he cannot pay. Here we're told that in this particular parable that this servant owed an enormous amount of money. Specifically, it says that he owed 10,000 talents. Now those who understand what money and what gold was worth back in those days and what a talent stood for say that even in today's money this is an enormous amount of money. Perhaps approaching 10 million dollars. In today's money. First Chronicles chapter 29 verses 4 through 7 says that David gave 3,000 talents of gold for the temple when it was to be built. And the temple was just covered in gold and there were 3,000 talents there. Here this man owes 10,000 talents. And the point I think of Jesus' parable here in regard to this debt is that this is an unpayable debt. There was no way on earth this man ever could pay that debt back. And that's exactly the situation that we face. When we sin against God, I don't care if it's what we may think about the most innocent of sins, the least offensive of sins, it automatically lays against us an unpayable debt. Because there is no way that you or me or anyone else can pay a debt. We can't pay off our sins. They can only be forgiven. Which is what the master does. When the servant comes and begs for forgiveness and he says, I will pay you everything, obviously he doesn't even understand the enormity of his debt. But the master, we're told, is moved with compassion. And he releases him and forgives the debt. He doesn't just say, okay, here's a payment plan, you can start following it. He wipes it off the books. It's gone. He forgives the debt. He sends it away. And yet this servant who had all of this debt forgiven goes out and he finds someone who owes him a very insignificant amount of money. A hundred denarii, I've studied and found out, is equivalent probably to about $17 in our money. And we see the total insignificance of this debt versus the one that the other servant owed. And he comes and it says that he violently demands payment from this other servants, And he, just like him, begs for patience and says that I will pay, but he doesn't have any of it and he throws him into prison. The fellow servants see this and of course they're upset and they go and tell the master what is done. And when he hears about it, he comes to this first servant and says, you are a wicked servant. Now, this latter state is worse than the first state for him. I forgave you all that debt, verse 32 says, because you begged for me. And you should have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had compassion on you. And he delivered him to the torturers to pay the debt. His lack of compassion for this fellow servant indicates, in essence, how ungrateful he was for his own forgiveness of his debt. This offense of not forgiving his fellow servant's debt is worse in the eyes of the master than the original indebtedness. And so Jesus makes the application, So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. But how do we do that? We have to forgive. The principles are laid out. We also see... in In the model prayer in in Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus discusses prayer, He says in verse 9, "...Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen." For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I think it's significant that after this prayer that Jesus gives as, as a model for us to follow, But the only item of that prayer that he follows up with additional commentary on is the part of the prayer that dealt with forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In verse 14 through 15, he reemphasizes the point that if we do not forgive, then God will not forgive us. Forgiveness must be extended But how? Especially, as in Joseph's case, when it is someone who is close to us. Someone we love. Someone we trusted who violated that trust. A fellow brother or sister in Christ who should have been there for us, but instead was working against us. Our husband or wife who let us down. A parent who has abused us, a child who has become rebellious, how do we forgive in those situations? I want to suggest to you three things that maybe make it difficult for us to not forgive. And then we'll look at three things that help us to forgive. First of all, I think one of the hardest things we have to deal with in those situations is hatred. Hatred is one of the strongest emotions that God has given us. We're told in the Bible that God hates certain things, aren't we? And there are certain things that we have to hate in order to be like God. But yet, when we look at God, we see that God always hates sin. He always hates sinful acts. But God never hates the sinner. That's difficult to grasp, isn't it? God always hates the sin, but He never hates the sinner. If we hate the sinner, if we hate the person who has hurt us, then we're going to want revenge. And this type of hatred destroys us. It doesn't help us. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells us in, in the Sermon on the Mount, again, Matthew 5 and verse 43, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. what I have to realize is that I have to respond with love. And we're not talking about the emotion of love, the ooshy-gooshy feeling type of thing. We're talking about agape love, which is a love of the will, not a love of our emotions. So when someone is our enemy, he says, do good for them. Pray for them. Bless them. We don't respond in kind. Sometimes it's not hatred that gets in the way of our forgiveness, but it's just the deep pain that has been inflicted upon us. When we're injured, pain is the result. If I'm in some sort of accident or I'm using a tool and and it slips and it cuts my finger, I'm taking a hammer and I smash my thumb, I have pain because I've been injured. And God has given us that because we need to have pain. Physical pain is not very pleasant, but it lets us know that something's wrong. Emotional pain is perhaps even worse, though, because emotional pain is something that it's hard for us to forget. After my thumb has healed from that smashing, I don't keep thinking about it 5, 10, 15, 20 years later. It's gone. But if someone has hurt me emotionally, said something against me, violated my trust, I have that in my memory. And it's going to always be there because I've been hurt. And it's really difficult to move beyond these kinds of pains, isn't it? The Bible doesn't say to forget, the Bible says to forgive. And I want to tell you there's a difference between forgetfulness and forgiveness. Forgiveness is an act where we let go of the pain. It's a deliberate decision that we're going to treat the other person the right way, no matter how we've been treated. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, we're all familiar with this short but very important verse in the Bible that men have termed the golden rule where Jesus says, therefore, what you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. In other words, Jesus is saying everything that you've read about in the Old Testament that was given through the law of Moses or through the prophets is summed up essentially in this, that you treat people the way God wants them to be treated and the way that you want them to treat you. Which one of us has never hurt somebody? Do we not want forgiveness of that when we're sorry and we repent of that? So our duty is to forgive, to not maintain our resentment towards this person, but to treat them with love and to not hold the sin against them anymore. But perhaps it's also a matter of pride. Sometimes we get the idea, I have been hurt, so I'm going to teach him or I'm going to teach her a lesson. Or perhaps others make it even more difficult for us when we've been injured, especially in a a public capacity. You're not going to forgive them, are you? Because that would make you look weak. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21 through 24, Jesus says... You have heard it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whoever says to his brother, Rekha, shall be in danger of the council, but whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. We cannot appropriately approach God and ask for His forgiveness if we do not extend it to others. The word reconciliation is used here by Jesus, which simply means those who were enemies are now friends. We have to first be reconciled. And we cannot let our own human pride get in the way and say, I'm going to teach them a lesson. Because there's a lot of negative effects to holding an unforgiving attitude. First of all, it's going to destroy the relationship we have with this other person. And specifically, we're looking at not a relationship with someone who is our sworn enemy, but someone who's perhaps a member of our family, someone who's a member of our church, someone we work with, someone who's a close neighbor or a friend. And we need those relationships. We can't just discard people left and right when they hurt us. Doctors will tell you that people who do not forgive their physical marks of that. Their lives will be shorter. They will not enjoy as good a health. We'll be constantly thinking about those ways that we were hurt and our memories will be negative. And of course, it's going to affect our relationship with God because God is a forgiving being. And we have to be like Him. And it's going to affect our own feelings. If I'm constantly looking at myself as the injured party, oh, they said this, they said that, and I never get over it, then I don't really think very highly of myself. These are a lot of effects to not forgive. Hatred, deep pain, pride, are things that can keep us from forgiving as we ought. But I want to suggest, before we end our lesson this morning, three things we can do to let go of these feelings. And then the lesson will be yours. First of all, we have to realize that forgiveness is a gift from God. That we have been forgiven. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 through 8, the Apostle Paul talks about the fact that those who are disciples of Jesus Christ are, first and foremost, people who have been forgiven. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, "...in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins." According to the riches of his grace, we are a forgiven people, and it is a gift of God. Ephesians chapter two verses one through six. there Paul talks about the fact that we were while we were yet dead in our trespasses, God forgave us on the cross. Jesus himself, the Son of God in luke chapter twenty three and verse thirty four as he was being nailed to that cross by that Wicked and wild crowd of people prayed to the Father to forgive them. This is what God is. He is forgiveness. Jesus was forgiving. God, by the very act of giving His Son on the cross at Calvary, was extending His grace and offer of forgiveness to anyone who would accept it, even before He knew if I would accept it. And think about how much we've been forgiven. That unfaithful or unforgiving servant in the parable would not extend forgiveness to his fellow servant. I think mainly because he never appreciated just how much he had been forgiven. But secondly, we ought to realize that forgiveness is really the most powerful witness we have to the world of God's grace at work in our own lives. We live in a world of unforgiving people. That is the way of the world. But when we forgive one another and when we extend forgiveness and when people see that, what they see is God's grace at work in my heart. But if I have the attitude that I'm going to nurse a grudge and I'm never going to forgive someone, I'm always going to remember that and one of these days I'm going to get even with them, then I've got a deep spiritual problem that's going to show to everyone who knows me. In John chapter 17, verse 20 through 23, Jesus talked about, in his prayer just before his his uh, death, as he prayed to the Father, that they that his disciples in verse twenty one that they may be one, as you father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. What a powerful witness we have of the wonderful grace of God in our lives when we turn around and extend that forgiveness to others. And then, finally, I can learn to forgive when I realize that forgiveness is a positive positive. It's a positive activity that is necessary for me to heal myself. Forgiveness is not simply some sort of passive resignation. Well, there's nothing I can do about this situation. They've done this to me. They've done it over and over to me. They're rebellious. They're untrustworthy. They're lying about me or whatever, saying there's nothing I can do about it, so I'm just going to forget about it i will just be resigned, that I've got an unpleasant situation, and there's nothing else I can do but forgive them, okay? I'll forgive them. That's really not what we're talking about. We're talking about making a conscious choice of the will. That when I think about everything that God has done for me, that I'm going to release this other person from their death. And it's a positive thing. It's a joyful thing that we do. And we move from being the victim of someone to being the victor in the situation. And that is powerful. Joseph was the victim of everything that his brothers had done to him and other people along the way who had mistreated him. But in the end, he forgave them and he was the victor. That he would not have been if he had not forgiven them. If I realize that forgiveness is a gift of God, that forgiveness is this powerful witness I have to the power of God in me and what God has done for me, and that I can move beyond the injury that I received, then what's going to hold me back from forgiving? Just a couple of scriptures to think about as we wind this up. In Luke chapter 6, verse 37, again, Jesus said, forgive and you will be forgiven. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 23, forgiving one another just as God in Christ also forgave you. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. Let's bow in prayer. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word where we are taught how we ought to act. Father, help us to remember the wonderful blessings of forgiveness that you have given us. Help us, Father, to remember that we owe a great debt. And that you offered your forgiveness to us even before we were willing to accept it. And that you continue to forgive us when we do wrong. Father, there are those in our lives who have... Every one of us has had people in our lives who have hurt us in some way. And Father, I pray that you would help us to apply your word to have a forgiving heart and a forgiving spirit. And if there are those that we have we still maintain resentments against, that we would work those situations out. That we could move on and that we could show the joy of forgiveness that we've received to other people. In your name we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning and you're not a child of God, then you have yet To fully partake of the forgiveness of God. When Jesus hung there on the cross, he died for you. And whether or not you ever obey Jesus, whether or not you become a Christian, Jesus still loves you. And he still would have died on that cross. But if you're here this morning and you would like to give your life over to Jesus, we're going to extend His invitation at this time. If you'd like to become a Christian, if you'd like to be baptized, all things are right. And won't you come while we stand with someone?
0: I certainly hope that lesson was helpful to you. As Steve helped us learn how to forgive, how to get the obstacles out of the way and serve God, forgiving others the same way we want to be forgiven somebody gave you this CD. If you would like to get more lessons, we invite you to come to the Franklin Church of Christ website at www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. You're free to download as many of the lessons as you would like. We have outline forms and audio format. Download them, study them, share them with others. Perhaps you have a question about what you've heard in this lesson or you have another question about some other topic. Feel free to contact us by calling 615-794-2359 or again, you can contact us through our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.